So we're going to start a three-week series today, and we're going to build on it from this idea of God being a mama bear. And I'll show you where that comes from in a moment. But I want to repeat this idea that I began the service with. God is beyond our comprehension. And so he compensates to us in order for us to understand what he is like. And some of the things that he does is use very colorful imagery in the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. God is a potter. God is a rock. God is a shield. God is a fire. God is a husband. God is a father. God is a laboring woman. God is like a mothering eagle. Because Jews and Christians believe God is something other than what we know and experience in our world, the biblical authors use metaphors and similes as well to paint pictures of what God is like. And one of the images that is used is a mama bear. Now, I started looking into this primarily because my wife and I, we have an LGBTQ son, and over the last six years, uh, we have uh, learned a lot in the process. And last week, Esty went down to Columbus. There was a Mama Bears retreat, uh, 40 ladies that gathered together uh, in support of their children to learn more, to continue to intercede for the children. And that prompted me to think a little bit about that image of a Mama Bear. I think we've heard that. We've all seen t-shirts that have been printed, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, that type of thing. Uh, but I really wanted to explore, is that image used in the Bible? And I had found that I never came across it, but the wonder of the internet is all you got to do is ask Google, right? Or <laughs> ask Siri, that type of thing. So the Mama Bear metaphor is kind of a sub set of another image, and that is God as a mother. And this metaphor is found in a variety of places, and we've read some of those earlier in the service. In particular, the book of Isaiah gives this image of God as a mother that feeds and protects the nation that he brought out of Egypt and out of slavery. Now, the specific image of a mama bear is not used in Isaiah, but it is used here in the book of Hosea. And I'm not going to talk about this verse, even though it's a key verse. Uh, I'll talk about that next week, because I think that works in conjunction with another image of a God as a mama bear in the book of Proverbs. But we'll hold off on that. So here's a key verse that prompted me to say, let's look at this for a couple of weeks. God says, I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. Now, this group that I'm talking about that seeks to protect and intervene on, behalf, on behalf of LGBTQ individuals, have you ever heard the term, don't poke a mama bear? Okay. These ladies, I think, are described by this verse. If you come up against their LGBTQ children, they will fall upon you like a bear robbed of cubs. I mean, they will intervene and they will intercede and they will fight for the dignity that all children deserve. So 
When we talk about God, the first thing that we need to understand is the Bible uses a mix of metaphors. So if we were to say the Lord's Prayer this morning, we would begin our Father who art in heaven, right? Jesus often called God Abba, Father. So there is a mix of metaphors that God is not just a father, but a mother too. And I think, by and large, the modern church maybe has lost its balance of both the masculine and feminine imagery when we talk about God. By far, when you hear language about God, most of the time it is in reference to God being a father, okay? So what we have to do is kind of counterbalance that. And even though we are used to calling God Father, the truth of the matter is God is neither father nor mother. He's neither male nor female. What we find is that this imagery is intentionally expanding our language to open a door of new connection for us when we think about how we are going to relate to God. So I wonder what type of comfort we might cut off from ourselves by putting God in a box and marking it male. I think it's more important to understand that God uses this language to help us to understand that the best of your mom and the best of your dad is found in the person of God who creates us in his image, male and female, he has created them. It says in the book of Genesis. Now, the clearest description of what God is like is found in the New Testament. And you need to distinguish between God is versus God is like. God is, in the New Testament says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John, the writer, says God is love. Doesn't say like love, God is love. That's a part of his nature, it's part of his attributes. He also says God is light. So God is spirit, God is light, God is love. Now all of these things are relatable though when we say God is like. Does that make sense? So God is, this is part of who he is, but God is like and so we begin to associate this love and light of God in very tangible ways. Now, I know that's small print, but think about this for a moment. If you were to go through the scriptures, there is this idea of the motherhood of God. So just look at the slide while I make comment shortly in short order about these uh, few verses. So in Hosea 11, verses 3 and 4, it says, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. There's the image of a mother lifting up a child. We've all seen that, where a mother lifts up a child and, and just rejoices over that child. Isaiah 42, verse 14. God is like a woman in labor. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrain myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. Isaiah goes on in chapter 49, verse 15, that uh, God is like a nursing mother as well. That's also in Isaiah 66, verses 10 through 13, where it says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her 
All you who love her, rejoice with her in joy. All you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. So God is like a mother that is bonded through breastfeeding. And then the one that we read earlier, Luke 13, 34, Jesus is like a mother hen who is hiding her chicks. So we are all conditioned to keep calling God him, but that's technically not right. Even though we are conditioned in that way, once we start using language like the motherhood of God, I bet there is something inside of you that says, I don't know, I feel kind of uncomfortable with that. Maybe you don't, but I know a lot of people in a lot of churches that would feel uncomfortable with that. And that's because we have been conditioned to think in one way. What must be noted is how the biblical authors mix the metaphor about God so that we, what we can do is really appreciate what God is to us as his children, as her children. Theologian Lynn Japingas wrote this, language about God should help us to understand and encounter God but we should not confuse the reality of God with the limits of our language. I think that's a good quote. Here's another one. Clement of Alexandria, early church father, goes way, way back. One of the metaphors that he used in his writings is the descriptions of Christians nursing at the breast of God the Father. Boy, that's a dichotomy there, isn't it? That children's nurse at the breast of God the Father. One last quote. The medieval mystic Meister Eckert described God, God's activity with a question first. What does God do all day long? And then he answers it. God gives birth. From all of eternity, God lies on a maternity bed giving birth to new things. Interesting imagery, isn't it? Well, all language we use is inadequate. All language you, we use is analogous. And what we find is that there is no perfect metaphor that would sufficiently capture what we know about God. And if we did do that, it would change because language is not static. Language is always changing. And what is meaningful to us here in 2022 is, might be out of date in 2052, right? Language is always changing, but we are adapting to the way these biblical writers talk about God. We understand that even though language morphs over time and our language is a part of a changing culture, God is always willing to accommodate us so that we can understand what he is like. So if we take in this vast array of imagery in the Bible about God, you might find the writers talking about God as a judge, a king, a warrior, and a father, or God as a artist, a gardener, a doctor, a mother, a shepherd, and so on and so forth. But the mama bear imagery is really fascinating. It has the idea of protection. It has the idea of nurturing. And what we find is that a mama bear will come to the aid of the cubs on a moment's notice. Now, please understand something. When I say God is a mama bear or like a mama bear, 
that's a big difference between a soccer mom, okay? A mama bear is not a soccer mom. A soccer mom is the kind of lady that is always complaining to the coach that uh, they're too hard on their kids or their kids are not getting enough playing time, right? That type of thing. Those are all things that are beside the point. When we talk about mama bear, what we're talking about is essential things that are important for life and protection. Does that make sense? Okay. The things that will honor a person. And, and so what we find is that even though we have a tendency, dads do this as well, to jump in and try to control life for our kids, that's not the idea of a mama bear. You, you remember one time in the life of Jesus, the mother of James and John come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can my son sit at your right and left hand? <laughs> and Jesus just kind of chuckles and he goes, no, <laughs> no. You know, mom is trying to position the kids to be in power, that type of thing. How about this one? This is a more contemporary illustration. All of us have heard the story of Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky on Full House, right? Who had the two girls that uh, wanted to get into USC and be a part of the rowing team, even though they've never rowed in their life. But through bribery and through uh, fraud and that type of thing, their, her daughters got into USC. Well, what happened is she was one of among 50 individuals that were charged by the FBI for that type of activity. And she was actually convicted and had to pay a huge fine. And I think she did a little bit of time and I'm sure community service as well. That's not mama bears. Are you following what I'm saying? The image of the mama bear is the idea of not trying to get your kids a leg up over somebody else. The idea of a mama bear is coming to fight for children who have lost the ability to fight for their own soul. Are you following what I'm saying? They've been maybe crushed or pushed down and mama bear comes to nurture. We'll see next week that a mama bear corrects as well. It's not just all fighting on behalf, it's also nurturing, bringing that child along so that they can grow and expand and develop. So in Isaiah, this imagery of God as a mother is found numerous times. And what's interesting to me is the majority of this imagery is found in what theologians and scholars call third Isaiah. So most scholars believe that there are three different authors of uh, the prophet Isaiah, even though it only has one title. And this last section of the book of Isaiah is filled with imagery of God as a mother bear, not a mother bear, but as a mother. And what we find is third Isaiah is dealing with something very specific. It's connected with the tensions that arise among different parties within the culture that we might label in our terms liberal and conservative. So in Isaiah 56, 
It says this, fascinating passage of scripture. I want you to just listen to it. Verse 1 of Isaiah 56 says, Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. What kind of evil are you talking about here, God? And this is what third Isaiah says. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him and keep my Sabbath without desecrating it, these I will bring upon my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Fascinating. So who who are the two groups that... Uh, Isaiah is really concerned about here the foreigner and the eunuch. Why? Because the foreigner and the eunuch are being excluded. They're being excluded from participation in the life of Israel and the worship within the courts of Israel. And here we find Jesus picking up on this. Remember when he went into the temple in John chapter 2? And you have money changers that are there taking advantage of other people. And he goes over and he throws these merchants out. And he overturns the table. And this is what he says. My house will be a house of prayer for all people. None are going to be excluded. None are going to be taken advantage of. No more prejudice. What we're going to find is that in Isaiah 61.1. And this is the last part of what I'm going to share out of the scriptures this morning. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release uh, from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a garment of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So now he includes more. Did you see that? He's now talking here about the brokenhearted. He's talking about the prisoners. He is talking about those who somehow get excluded, those who get pushed aside, those that are left out. That's what third Isaiah is primarily about. And you know what? Isaiah 61, 1 and following is the very same passage that Jesus uses when he stands up in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, And he's going to read a passage of scripture. He intentionally selects Isaiah 61, opens the scroll and reads this. Then he rolls it up and he says, Today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
He calls himself the point at which all of this is going to be fulfilled. And what does God do through Jesus? He allows those who have been excluded, those who have been taken advantage of, those that are no counts, all right, to come in, to be a part, to be loved, to be supported, and to be cared for. So where is God among these mama bears that I've been talking about at the beginning? God, the great mama bear, is cheering on the mama bears who care for their children, who protect their children, who nurture their children, who educate their children, who cultivate their children. And so God, the great mama bear, does the same in our life. Even though God mixes metaphors in the scripture, it's all done to communicate his commitment to love, to challenge and correct his people to become better than who they currently are. And you know what? We can do the same. Can I encourage the men that are here this morning? You too can mix your metaphors. You too, even though you can be a papa bear, you can be like a mama bear, and what you can do is do the very same things that this group of ladies that started off a number of years ago as a small group that has over how many in it now? 30,000 30, women around the country who have recognized that their children have been used and abused and taken advantage of and slandered and scapegoated and all that type of thing. And they just go, no more. We're going to stand on behalf of our kids. We love them. We're going to care for them. We're not going to let people scapegoat them. We're not going to let people uh, threaten them. So here's the deal, and here's how I'd like to close this morning. We can all do what this group of ladies are doing, because that's what God does as well, as we saw out of Isaiah. We can all be mama bears for other people. Who is it that you know that is constantly being taken advantage of? Who is it that you know that's being walked upon? Who is it that you know simply because they look different or sound different or come from someplace else that don't have the same subculture as you do? Who are those individuals that somehow are taken advantage of and they have no one to support them? There are people around us all the time. And if you will look closely, they have a countenance that is looking down and you and I have the opportunity to take your, our hands and lift their chin up and say, you are deeply loved. You are deeply cared for. And I'm here to care for and to help you. And I want you to know that there is a whole bunch of mama bears. So I subtitled this series, Mama Bears, A Sleuth of Strength and Support. So this is kind of funny. You know, when you have a group of animals, how they are titled as a group is interesting. You know, so you might have um, a variety of different things. And, and I go, what do you call a, a group of bears? And the answer is a sleuth. A group of bears is called a sleuth. And the reason is because... They don't look like they're moving very fast. Sleuth is related to slow. But you poke one of those cubs, you'll see 
They'll get online quick and they will move quick to defend their cubs. And so we are a sleuth of mama bears, of support and strength. And it might look like we're slow. It might look like we're not too uh, imposing, but I'm gonna tell you something. A mama bear is one that if a cub is threatened, will not, will not give a second thought to come to the aid of her cubs. And I think that's a wonderful picture. If God has that type of imagery for us, then we can have that for other people too. We live in very challenging times, brothers and sisters. And there are people around us all the time that need to know we love them and we have their back. And so I, before we sing our closing song, I'd like to pray a prayer, prayer of healing. And uh, then um, we're going to sing a closing song together. Would you join me in prayer? God, our mother, living water, river of mercy and source of life, in whom we live and move and have our being, who quenches our thirst and refreshes our weariness and bathes and washes and cleanses our wounds. Be for us always a fountain of life and for all the world a river of hope springing up in the midst of despair, of the deserts of despair. Honor and blessing and glory and praise be to you forever and always. Amen. Would you stand as we close together with a song?